This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, I'm about to go on maternity leave. This is Katie Mosman-Wadler, and before I leave you in the incredibly capable hands of Team HRN, we're rounding out Season 5 with a deep dive into the food rules, weird cravings, and overall hype about eating while pregnant. There are a lot of safe foods to eat, and we shouldn't be sort of assuming that just because something is raw that it's dangerous. I just found myself feeling like there was an alien piloting my body and brain and uh, totally changed the way that I ate. So was it the eggplant? Sure. Why not? I just don't know. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3 anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with our newest and tiniest producer in tow. Good morning. And the headphones are on. I do want to start televising this. This is uh, the main course OG. Happy New Year. It's uh, Thursday, January 9th. I've already lost track of time a little bit. First show of the decade. First show of the decade. For all of HRN. The 20s. That's right. For all of HRN. This is a historic moment. We are, uh, you know, coming onto the airwaves a little bit sooner than everybody else. We're nine years away from the 100th anniversary of the Greatest Depression in American history. <laughs> Let the countdown begin. 1929, stock yeah. market crash. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, the guys, don't, don't, don't focus on that too soon. So uh, I am here in the studio this morning with the voices you have already heard. We have Patrick Martins. Thanks for having me. Always. Welcome back, you know, into the new decade, feeling good. And we have uh, Trig Brown, our uh, new official co-host in 2020. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year. What'd you do for the New Year? Ooh, Are you a pop um, bottles kind of guy? No, I, I actually bailed on Patrick. We were supposed to... Uh, you know, yeah, bring, well, bring it in working. together. I was just going to come to Winson. Yeah. But I didn't. So what did you do? Pop bottles at home? I microdosed with my neighbors. Microdosed alcohol or? Can you give us a little bit more information? <laughs> I put something on my No, it was just hanging out. I mean, you basically put something I hung out just, tongue? just to let you know, when you say microdose, people think you mean like mushrooms or acid. Mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> so Good. if you mean alcohol, <laughs> no. you should clarify. But it was nice. Uh, neighbors are great because you don't judge neighbors. You don't <laughs> judge them. They, they live so close to you that they're exempt from any of the things that would annoy you if the person lived like a few neighborhoods away. But so, they're not exempt from what if you share a wall or your kids run and annoy them. Or some them. acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that close. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, The people below us hate us. Hate our guts. Does everyone here uh, have neighbors? Trig, are you in a building? That I actually, there's neighbors. nobody in my building. No, are you the first tenant <laughs> yeah, to move in? Is yeah. it new construction? Yeah, there's still construction going on. So my adult neighbor is teaching themselves how to play the flute and like from zero. <laughs> oh my god, it's real rough. So do they do they god. keep late hours for this? Uh, not, not, flute they're pretty practicing? respectful on the timing, but I get a lot is that of flutes in the evening. Best flute scene in movies: Will Ferrell, uh, yeah, Anchorman, oh, definitely blows the fire out of it, drinks a cocktail out of it. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, doesn't what he also she- play the flute in old school? Dust in the wind. Oh, uh, maybe. Well, he, Anchorman was the big one, but maybe Dust yeah. in the Wind. He sang in Dust in the Wind when what's his name died. Yeah, 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 true, true. Wasn't there a instrument scene in like American Pie? Was that a flute, a clarinet? It was a flute. It was mm-hmm. at band oh. camp. So this, uh, the voice you hear, is our <laughs> special guest today. We have uh, executive chef of Saint Anselm here in Brooklyn, Hannah Lyons. Hi guys, thank you for having me on. This is very exciting. Thanks People for being here and restaurant. for reassuring I that I was right about the flute in American Pie. People love your restaurant. It's a lot of people's favorite steakhouse. I, I, I think it's more than a steakhouse. I mean, it does different things. But yeah, it's a lot we of do people's things, literal favorite. Yeah, and it, it's great to hear. It's really exciting. Yeah. So you've been at St. Anselm. You were there for a long time, and you are now 
back. Yes. I started out as a prep cook and a line cook. Then I was the sous chef for a number of years, and then I left, and now I'm back to be the head chef. What were you doing when you left? I worked freelance for a year, and I got into food styling, which is very a funny world. I worked on McDonald's commercials. I worked mm. on IHOP commercials. I did magazines and... Um, I started working for the Food Network and doing a Food Network show oh. and was a culinary producer, which was also a funny world of sort of what does the rest of America cook at home and mm. being exposed to that. So I did that for two years and then um, was always picking up restaurant shifts still at St. Anselm and other places. And so when I heard that the head chef position was going to become vacant, I threw my name in. And yeah, Joe Carroll, you got along? We do. Good. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, we love it. All three of us. Are there any McDonald's items that are going to make their way onto the St. Anselm menu or inspired by anything (laughs) in your food styling moments? I did eat a a fresh filet of fish that we, you know, we we would cook it for the ad, and they're delicious when they're fresh out of the fryer. But I don't think I'd ever have one at the restaurant. Fresh at at the restaurant. At the the McDonald's restaurant. (laughs) But just to clarify, this is like fresh frozen. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, fresh like, frozen. But. I'm not ashamed to say I love McDonald's. You're number one, uh, right? <laughs> Meal number that's your one. That's number one fast food? I, no, no, no. Number one fast food. Yeah, it's huh. not number one in general. No, number one, you always <laughs> order the number, the number one yeah, meal. Yeah, 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 thank you, the Big Mac, yeah, that's the right. Big Mac meal. With the six-piece chicken wing like this yes, as well. Yes, exactly. I like Wendy's. I love that. I love Wendy's. So you prefer yeah. McDonald's? No, not even. I just, I mean, maybe. If it came down yes, to Yes, you. What do you mean? You, the, you I just I do I do love Wendy's as well. I do. It's so good. <laughs> what about Chick Fil A or Popeye's nah, chicken sandwich? I, I'm a Bojangles guy. Okay. I like Chick Fil A. If, if I have to pick a nugget, they're the least uh, square shaped of all the nugget choices. I, I I think they make a good one. Did you see they uh, they they've rescinded uh, or they they they've disassociated some of their. Uh, uh, funding or so I, I'm not really sure what the details are, but they've like uh, distanced themselves away from their uh, homophobic. Uh, Good. They, they, yeah, they've 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 done some. They've came came come far from some social. Yeah, they're becoming a little bit more progressive. Are <laughs> yeah. they going to be open on Sundays now? They're very Catholic. <laughs> they're they're closed all locations of Chick Fil A on Sundays. On Sundays, yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. All right, we uh, we always kick off the the show with a game of word association. So we've selected a, a word or term for each person, and it's sort of like a what comes to mind first, or you know, give us ten ten words or less. Hannah, yours is foie gras. I just don't get it. I, that's it. Okay, you know. All right. Okay. Like no, misunderstood. No, no. A lot of people that obviously didn't research the show. Foie gras is a... No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I get other... This is going to go to more than 10 words. I get other, you know, let's say high-end food, caviar. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Truffles. Mm-hmm. Uh, foie gras just... Uh, because of the humane dude, aspect. No, forgetting that. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, that's, that's an issue. Foie, though, is like n- so good. See, mine's not about the humane thing. It it's just doesn't texture. do it for me. It's a little too... Gooey? No, Goo- it's a little too rich. I don't know. I'm also not a bone marrow person. Do those fall into the same? I guess I never thought it was a humane issue for the goose because I kind of would like to keep eating myself. (laughs) You You would like to be forced. That's so bad. (laughs) So foie gras is not something we will find on the menu at St. Anselm. No. I also don't know if you can grill it. That's sort of our... Does everything at St. Anselm have to be challenging? (laughs) It would just go up in flames. Yeah. Um, We like to have things touch the grill, we say, so... Not everything has to be grilled. We certainly have like raw salads on the menu, but that's what I'm always thinking about: is can low, it be grilled? Low key favorite um, appetizer you guys when you guys do the salmon collar. Yeah. Oh my god, it yeah. is so good. It is. Very so, I've only like, had it at uh, Saint Anselm, DC. I have not had it here in Brooklyn. They have it on the menu. But the salmon collar mm-hmm. is on the menu in DC, and it is Fire. fantastic. What oh about uh, caviar? You do osetra or? I I mean I'll eat it. I don't know. Why. Oh, I see. You don't serve it at, at Saint Anselm. No, we don't. No. She's like, I'll eat it if you're. I'll eat it if you it give it to me, me at a party. But, um, but yeah. all right, Trig, your word, term, new year, new you. Oh, a lot of things like uh, you know, weight loss, um, fatherhood, uh, bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, de- a lot of. Depressing. So 2020 is looking happy and depressing yeah, all no, at the same time. No, it's happy. I, I'm just you know also nervous. Want to make sure. 
you know, I got a kid on the way and, you know, we make sure we have a new business. So I'm trying to make sure all my ducks are in a row and taking these challenges face on. Do you think you'll open a third place in 2021 or something like that? <laughs> Maybe Is 2021. That... Yeah. We're working on a project right now. Same actually. corner. Um, no, <laughs> gotta diversify the corners. Are the other people on those other two corners looking at you, being like, "They're coming for us"? Well, one is uh, is a deli, and we're super tight with those guys. And then um, the other one is like a, uh, um, I'm not sure the technical term, but it's kind of like a uh, assisted living. Um, some I think some might have something to do with substance abuse or maybe just homelessness. But there's like, you know, a lot of a lot of folks that have uh, subsidized housing in this in this. Uh, I think it's affiliated with the church next door, so it's. Uh, I don't think they're worried about us. Maybe <laughs> you could sponsor the wafer process, you know, at church when they give you the wafer. Maybe I it could be like a wafer. dumpling, what? or maybe you could make a little brisket sandwich. This, is when, this is when Jews make suggestions for how to better the church experience. Communion is my favorite part of the church experience. I love the little wafer and the wine. I like that. That's like what keeps me going. You'll never I mean, miss I going up for communion. No, I, I mean, it. if it's available. What if, it could be a fried chicken sandwich bite. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd love that. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this, this whole group, actually, in the room sort of has that, like, neighborhood mm-hmm. restaurants on both sides of the block. You yeah. guys have Fetzau across the street, yeah. and I never say it right, Sputendival? Spitendival. Spitendival. Well, I will say all three of us, except Trig, Emily, Hannah, and Patrick, uh, grew up within, I think, probably a mile of each other in Manhattan, <laughs> 81st to Madison. At very different times. for. Yeah. Oh, we're not the... Oh, right, right. I think I'm a little older. Wait, where did I grow up? You don't remember? 88th and West End. Close. Fourth, yeah. 84th and West End. No, I like that. So uh, my husband was listening to a podcast this morning, Adam Carolla, and uh, he listens almost every day. And this morning they were doing a... They all know each other so well, all the co-hosts, and they were asking everybody to create their like Twitter or Instagram bio for each other. They were actually they were doing they were reading celebrity bios and making people guess from a choice of three, like which celebrity did it belong to, and then they were trying to write them for each other. So, Patrick, what what would my Instagram bio say? Your Instagram bio would be I love cheese, and I'd like to share a wheel with you. Okay. There is cheese referenced in my current Instagram bio. (laughs) Maybe you checked it this morning. Trig, what would Patrick say? Ooh, um, it it would uh, have something to do with his witty Instagram. Um, Thank you. You actually said something very sweet to me. He said, (laughs) I actually looked at your Instagram in detail, and it is very good. More people should be liking you. I agree. I I think I may have gotten a follower. (laughs) Hannah said she didn't have service when she walked into the studio, so it might not go through. It's debatable. It's pending at the moment. I feel terrified when I request being liked. I don't want to go through rejection. I have three kids. I have a wife. I don't go through rejection other than through chefs who don't buy from us or whatever. (laughs) But like, I don't want to request it unless I'm with the person and be like, "Are you going to accept me if I put requested?" It's kind of bold though, just to go for it, you know. That's true. Did you accept me, Hannah? I requested to follow you last night. Yes, last night. Yes. I also last night (laughs) requested, speaking of, uh, yeah, exactly. Speaking of waiting to be accepted, uh, Brandon's not with us today, but his word association was going to be Barstool Pizza. There's this guy who owns Barstool Sports, or he's the president. His name's Dave Portnoy, and he does these, like, outrageous one-bite pizza reviews. So I kind of wanted to know what Brandon thought of him. But you have to request to follow him. But I'm not joking, within half a second he responds so he's he just like glued to his phone like does he want to know like Maybe what's he, he monitoring has an assistant. He, yeah but what's he monitoring his, why uh, isn't it just public sometimes <laughs> that guy is pretty controversial i know yeah so i mean he probably wants some sort of uh there's no way validation. he vetted there's no way he vetted no me. no no uh, but he probably he probably like it probably serves his ego to know that people are requesting to follow him <laughs> you know he, he, whatever portnoy <laughs> What's next? All right. Your word. Restaurant week. Oh, restaurant week is a chance for Emily and I to sell <laughs> cuts from the pig. Because we always have to buy 200 pigs a week because all the farmers rely on us to buy all their pigs. Because they can't sell them to the commodity market for how much it, it costs. So it's a chance for us to move shanks and ground and country ribs and things that we can't regularly move. So I love it. Restaurant week is we discount our food, but we move it. So we constantly cycle through, what do we move? 50, 200 pigs, 
50,000 pounds of sure. heritage breed pigs a week. So that's tough. Neither of the chefs sitting in the room are participating in restaurant week. No, they but don't, I will they don't say need, they don't need it for their It was business. a restaurant week type situation where Trig brought on our shank with Trotter, which has now become a signature sandwich at Winsome Bakery. So, you know, <laughs> we're often in need of moving cuts. So sales often lead to long-term relationships for cuts that we have trouble moving. Cool. All sure. right, that was a boring answer. All right, no, that, I'll try that, to be funny. It wasn't then. 10 words or less, but, you know, it works. <laughs> it's no big deal. So we are going to continue with our weekly-based segment. I don't know if you all saw, but the Golden Globes were on but this past Sunday. what is the weekly-based? The weekly-based is we talk about things that are happening in the culinary scene, it, with the royals. Oh, Patrick, you have an announcement. Well, you save it. it. Okay. We got to build up towards oh. something. Patrick called me this Prince morning Prince Harry, to tell me the news. Duke and the Duchess are removing themselves from the royal family. They're mm-hmm. going part-time. They're probably going to live in Canada, which I did not know. The Queen is Queen of Canada as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is the French president, the president of Canada. So it's an interesting Trudeau. <laughs> is that his name? Trudeau? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Trudeau's the president. What do the Canadians the have to say about this? Does it matter? <laughs> Just Does kidding. anybody care about yeah, Canada? No, Canada's cool, but... Okay, I mean, so... Weird. They're going to become part-time royals. Is this due to, like, paparazzi and Meghan Markle having a little bit of, you know, the, the, the spotlight stressing her out? She's very upset, and he has compared, Harry compared her situation to Princess Diana's situation, saying that it makes her desperate uh, and pushes her towards the edge. I mean, the paparazzi actually were responsible for the no, death look, of Diana. No, look, once you equate it to Princess Diana's situation, I don't think anybody can respond with anything, you know, negative. It's they're, you know, they're protecting their personal lives. But Patrick called me this morning to tell me breaking news. Didn't she know what she was getting herself into? What's though? What's funny, Anne said that, but you kind of also don't. Maybe it's maybe he should have talked to her about it a little more mm-hmm. before. I mean, really, was, really challenging. She's already she was already an actress in the right. public eye, and I guess maybe she thought, what can be. Can you really have more paparazzi than a L.A. celebrity? Well, I answered something yes. nice. Uh, Grace, Princess Grace of Monaco, who I think died in a car crash in the 50s, was in all these Alfred Hitchcock films, and she was really sad to have to leave Hollywood to fulfill her queenly duties, but she, or princess duties, but she did. She understood the importance of it and, and did do it, because there is a lot of charity work they do and all that, but who knows? Maybe they'll still do good stuff. It was a little sad to see that they're so tortured by the spotlight you know you would wish they would be happier with it but. i don't think i would want to be a celebrity like you there's this nice idea of it but you know you don't ever have your personal life can you imagine people just staring at you when you go out in public well they do that for with me but not because <laughs> I'm a celebrity, unfortunately. they're waiting outside your building they're staring always were they staring at you as you arrived to the golden globes on sunday no, but it was funny, Brad Pitt, when he won his award for that great movie, Quentin Tarantino movie, he's like, anytime I'm standing next to someone, they say I'm dating her. <laughs> you know, if I'm just literally <laughs> on a bus or did you, something. Did you like the movie, by the way? Loved it. I, I did, too. I Loved it. I was uh, totally blind. I was like, wait, I, I know the story. This this didn't didn't happen. You know, I, I, I like didn't. I wasn't prepped that it was an alt ending, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but some people don't. Don't did you see it, it really? once upon a time yeah. in Hollywood? I did. I saw it in theaters. Some special millimeter. Did you something. like it? I loved it, yeah. yeah. In, totally entertaining. Yeah. And it, it just makes you sad, like, what would have happened mm. if Sharon Tate could have, not to give away the ending, but, you know. <laughs> that it's okay. Spoiler reality. alert. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, hilarious and creative. Uh, I loved it. So the Golden Globes were this past Sunday. It's my favorite award show because celebrities get to drink, eat, and mingle. If you were asked to prepare the menu for the Globes, what would you serve? That's me asking Emily's question. (laughs) I noticed. (laughs) It is my favorite award show because they don't just sit in rows and, like, look hungry and uncomfortable and, like, waiting for all the commercial breaks. They all get up. They mingle. Like, you can see as they're going back to the... Can I make a prediction? Yes. I guarantee you that they do not eat anything special. I mean, tenderloin, They made a very big deal this year that the entire menu was vegan. Oh, yeah. I, I would hate to oh, cater this, was, this event. Do you think terrible. people actually eat the food, though? I'm sure most... Yeah, it would just be... It's probably a huge weight. Every, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... 
it's the if I don't, I hair. don't know if they're actually well. If you if you watch the Globes and as they're coming back from the commercials, the tables are so tight together. Everybody wants to get up and see each other. I think they drink pretty heavily. Right. Um, you can usually tell that by whoever accepts towards the end of the night that like everyone's <laughs> been drinking. All right, fine. A a bite. What would be your Golden Globe bite? Unlimited booze and one bite. Well, that's the one bite. What what would you say, Chef? I would do something like very classic old school. But like we were saying, if people aren't really going to eat it, I would still go for like like a little bite of like lobster thermidor or beef wellington or something that is just like very classically old school Hollywood to me. Do you appreciate those old kind of cassoulet or whatever? I'm not even coming. I like them for the sort of their like kitsch factor and you know, there's something there. But for an award show like this, I think you should do something super classic like that. When did you get into food? When you were a little kid, you just decided? Yeah. 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 Did you go to culinary school or self-taught? I went to a um, mostly vegetarian culinary school that uh, f- recently folded. It was called the Natural Gourmet Institute. A oh, big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Where, where was it? It was in Chelsea. It was like in the 20s in some weird office building. And, you know. It was around until not that long ago, yeah, right? It just yeah. closed. It just closed. Can I ask you a personal question? As a yes. New Yorker, do your Brearley friends, the way my Browning friends are like, what? He... He, he wears shorts from March to October. You know, he looks unemployed. He has tattoos. He uh, <laughs> works in a meat uh, warehouse. Do your friends, like, totally admire you uh, as being a chef? Or are they like, huh, so she never became a doctor or a lawyer? I, I think it's more the latter. Like, yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> or they I, think it's really, really cool, but they have absolutely no idea what it actually entails. entails. Yeah, it's hard work. Yeah. Are you still close with people you grew up with in New York? Uh, I am. Not so much my school itself, but people I met in the wider, like we were talking about, in the wider, you know, social scene of New York. Yeah. We're thinking about turning this show into, like, New Yorkers only. Trig, you're going to have to, like, become... Step down. Yeah, you're... you're step down. <laughs> Farewell just, episode. We're going to send you through a crash course. We can send you to, like, you know, New York private school just I for a couple weeks. I think I need weeks. to be here to, like, uh, to check you guys. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Patrick, like, a couple episodes ago was try- was proclaiming that... New Yorkers are the most hospitable, uh, stereotypically yeah. hospitable Excuse people. Excuse me, absolutely. All the three of us no. was so we are. So nice right now. So that was a very friendly. aggressive <laughs> thing you just said. <laughs> Racist like, Virginian. No, just kidding. I, okay, but no, no, we, we moved away from hospitality to civil inattention. inattention. It's more appropriate. Civil the Southern hospitality and New York... Uh, civil and intention they're different things it's like not- if I was sitting here at Roberta's and the table next to me someone sneezed I would not say oh bless you <laughs> but I- if they fell over I'd help them up <laughs> I just come on I mean it's like we're very civil <laughs> all right the New York Times the New York Times ran an article uh, just yesterday about top chefs who first got their start at chain, mostly restaurants. Jacques Pepin worked for Howard Johnson. Suzanne Goen was a hostess at California Pizza Kitchen. Stephanie Izzard was a server at the Olive Garden. So, Trig and Hannah, it's mostly for you. In your years managing kitchens, what would you say is the best schooling for a young cook or server? Is it, you know... Wendy's or McDonald's? No. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Which chain restaurant would be the best schooling? No, uh, is there, I don't know, did you learn a particular life lesson that you carry with you from a first culinary job? I think I learned pretty early on to stop talking and just listen to people. And I think when you're young and you're really excited to be in that environment, you tend to overcompensate your inexperience by being super chatty or just talking a lot about, oh, my last place or that my other place, whatever. And I think early on someone really... Literally told me, like, just stop talking and just listen to what people have to say. And you don't have to always take their advice, but just keep your ears open and yeah, that, be a sponge. So we, if you ignore to, me, I'll just be like, she's learning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, people are like, yeah, we, well, we, we used to do it like this at, at this restaurant. You're like, shut, the f- shut up. Yeah. Like, stop saying that. It's like almost the beginning to every sentence sometimes new people exactly. are like, shut up. Yeah. It's like, cause you know, it, we're not at that restaurant, you know, like we're doing it this way at this yeah. restaurant. Yeah. You know? I can see you might go to a young cook and say, do you know how to do this already? And they'd say, Oh, in my last job. Yes. But you don't then want them to offer that like every time. It becomes like an opening sentence to like every, their opinion on every subject. You know, it's, they don't it's know fun. enough to be intelligent about things yet. I like to say there's a lot of rights ways of doing things right but there's also things that are just wrong you know and if someone's too young perhaps they're talking about wrong things like they don't have enough education yet that's a good point i I worked at this uh 
this like diner in kind of the outskirts of Richmond, Virginia. It was my first. It's not a diner. It was like a. It was a. I don't even know how what you'd what you. It was like before you know, Instagram and all. You know, cooking was like cool, um, but it was. Uh, it, it was uh, my, this guy bought the restaurant and he was he was like big into drugs and he he people stopped getting paychecks and like. You know, I so was what like did you learn there? 16 years old and we, you know, we went from being like a really good restaurant to a really good restaurant that was you know, started to like not be able to pay our purveyors and you know, things started to fall apart a little bit. And I like getting to see that firsthand was actually like really beneficial. I think I learned a lot um, seeing all that stuff. Uh, do you remember when we went on our chef trip with 15 chefs in two vans and we stopped at the Waffle House and then I was in the car and I said, Max uh, from Sambar at the time, what do you think of the food? He's like, I don't know, but that chef just cooked 40 breakfasts in like eight minutes. You yeah, know? talk about a short order cook. Yeah. I think there's certain skills that you learn uh, along the way. But um, yeah, no, I read that like Stephanie Izzard said the Olive Garden taught her hot food, hot cold food cold like that was like the, just remember it as a server like this is what i have to make sure it happens for sure so uh, i don't know anyway hannah i was i told you i you know did a little brief googling mm-hmm. uh, a little research last night i came Weird. across an article about your brother ben lyons yes. who's a entertainment reporter and journalist the article said he eats chinese food every single sunday night at and least as of 2014 we that was something we did growing up we would get chinese delivery every single sunday night probably just because my mom was sick of cooking for us, but it became this like sort of weekly ritual. And that is pretty much still true. My brother has a group of friends he gets together with, and they go to a Chinese restaurant. Oh, they go to a Chinese... Is it true that they... A lot of... They had this for during the 80s, like where the bicycle delivery guy would power... It would power... A, a grill in the basket. That's how it came so fast. The Chinese food was cooked. He cook cooked it food. on the way to yes, your apartment? Yeah, it would power it. That's how it came so fast. Because literally you would hang up the phone and your doorbell would ring. But I think that's because growing up in New York, very often your Chinese food place was on the corner. And I think there are certain things that maybe were pre-prepared. Go to Chinese dishes. Or just the walk is Go to Chinese dishes. I think Mushu doesn't get a lot of love, but like a pork Mushu is great. Me too. Yeah. Um, I love the duck sauce with it. Mm-hmm. And the little the wrappers that they give mm-hmm. you. Um, Which I are like, never enough. I always want an extra wrapper. Yeah. yeah. I eat a lot. Um, yeah. I guess, too, anything that mixes tofu and meat I find really fun. Because in, in other cuisines, tofu is vegetarian. You keep it separate. But Would you order off the regular menu or would you order the more expensive, like, triple Regular delight? menu. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Dumplings? Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's kind they're of... They're doughy. They're you, doughy. Uh, it kind of fills you up sometimes, and you got to save A wonton for... soup, an egg drop soup, or a hot, hot and, and sour. Hot, yeah. hot and spicy, yeah, hot and sour, yeah. Scallion pancakes? Yes, always. Egg roll or spring roll? Egg roll. Okay. Interesting. Do you still have Chinese food every Sunday night? No. I can't remember the last time I ordered Chinese <laughs> takeout, but it's, I think it's overdue. Yeah. Mine was long overdue, and I had Chinese food last week while on vacation in Florida. It was... <laughs> excellent well i was really a little negative about going into it but it was like somebody's local little family owned joint chinese restaurant doing takeout and it was you know probably the best bang for your buck too but it was like the whole combination meal you got the soup you got the egg roll you got fried rice that was just as big as rice that's big fried rice or lo mein fried rice i don't love their noodles but you do love lo mein yeah, I, and fried rice. It's always a hard decision. I grew up eating roast pork lo mein. That was so like a good. staple. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't have Chinese food every single Sunday night, is there a cuisine or a dish that each of you must have at least once a week? Go-to dishes. Or cuisine or something that's always woven into your week. A week would not be complete without it. Well, pizza. I love breaded cutlets. I could <laughs> eat that every day. Pork or chicken. What else? I'm not, I'm, I kind of hate that this is my answer, but I feel like I need a giant salad at some point in the week just to offset Ooh. everything else Me that too. we've been talking about. This is about. your faulty education at the vegetarian restaurant. <laughs> what about a nice lamb saddle? <laughs> just no, a big bowl of raw vegetables to offset everything else that happened the past couple of days. Trig, is there anything for you? Well, I, I mean, there, there's this art, like, uh, there's this bakery near, near Winsun, um, and uh, it's been around for like sixty years. You can get, you, go, you get a sandwich for like three fifty. Princessa, <laughs> what's it called? No, it's oh. like other direction. Oh. It's uh, Stella di Sicilia, um, and uh, it is just 
excellent. Like they bake the bread there every day. The Star just, of Sicily, <laughs> and it's a Spanish joint. <laughs> yeah, they're Argent. No, it's a, the family's like originally like Argentine, I think. That That's ends. so funny. Yeah, but it's it's you know. Um, yeah, the, the the hot sandwiches are you wouldn't even know they had them if you, you know, because there's a lot of like the you know the sugar cookies and like you know danishes and almost like some Cuban pastries in there too. There's like the guava cheese roll and like you know certain. Actually, things. I should say I'm sorry. There is a salad that I like, chicken salad. How <laughs> much <laughs> <laughs> light mayo? Do you put or, mayo uh, on top yeah. of the chicken salad? I do that. Is that disgusting? If oh, I have a chicken salad sandwich, I put extra mayo. No, it I has do not. so much mayo in it already. <laughs> I drown it in hot sauce though. Yeah. I do. Like like hot sauce with chicken salad. I like chicken salad, bacon, cheese, Me too. red onion. Oh, yes. Sounds like yeah. you fully masked whatever is going on in the middle of that sandwich. But yeah, I it disagree. is funny to take people from the Midwest. Like I took Ann's family to Winson, and their Asian food experiences, like in <laughs> Libertyville, are just not as flavorful and tasteful. So I mean, their hair almost fell off their head. They were so enjoying the full flavors of your Taiwanese food. They'd never really experienced like a dumpling that was just oozing right, right, right. taste. Oh, I do need to ask one important thing about Chinese food. Does all Do they use tenderizer on all of the meat? Uh, I mean, a lot of the meat is just velveted, which is, you know... What does that mean? It, so it's not like tenderizer. They're just, they're, they use like uh, a cornstarch. Uh, they like mm. marinate it with uh, cornstarch and a few other things. That, yeah, like, my soft. chicken was a little too soft last week. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Well, that makes sense though. Cornstarch, yeah. okay. Yeah. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. So uh, I have a question for both of you. Walk-ins versus reservations. What is the sort of, I don't know, school of thought? I know Winsun now takes reservations, I think, for dinner. Winsun Bakery doesn't. St. Anselm has always been walk-in only. What's your take on it? You're only walk-in? Yes. Wow. We're very lucky that we can be only walk-in. So I think it really, I mean, just depends on the restaurant and sort of how the menu is and how the setup is and what kind of neighborhood you're in like we're very lucky we're surrounded by all these great bars where or coffee shops where you can go and sit and wait for you know one two three hours sometimes mm-hmm. on the weekends but it definitely changes your clientele because you know i wouldn't bring my grandmother to some place that where we had to wait for two hours yeah. on a saturday night yeah it's definitely i mean we do take reservations but only for two tables in the restaurant because mm-hmm. they're large tables um mm-hmm. you guys have one big table right we have two big tables two big yeah. tables so we reserve out those two big tables throughout the night you know so if, you know we're a little bit further out. You know, if folks from Manhattan or you know larger groups, like it's helpful for planning purposes for those folks. But you know, most of the restaurant, like over seventy five percent, is walk in only. So, um, and that like you know people, I don't know how your hosts and hostesses take it, but our hosts and hostesses get abused. Yes, absolutely. People say fucked up shit to why our because people. they say you weren't being honest with me it's three hours yeah not yeah two. when people are hungry they become mm-hmm. monsters so they i mean and like i'm grateful for all of our customers and guests and you know i i wouldn't you know speak ill of them but th- so there's like always one bad apple and they like you know accuse them of lying they call them like they call them horrible names they you know literally they 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 do lie to them they mm-hmm. manipulate um it's crazy. Uh, so can I ask a question? Like if Emily and I came in, do each of you keep a table empty-ish so that if Joe came in and said, hey, I'm just dropped in with my wife and it's our date night, you're like, oh, okay, it's only going to be 15 minutes for you. Like I know Balthazar used to do that because it was such a huge restaurant. Do smaller restaurants keep a secret? We, we, just, don't have the, we just don't have the space. Or, yeah. or customers come in and they see that empty table and they will pester the host and ask, like, can I sit there? Why is that table empty? I see, I see. So That's we'll upsetting. know ahead of time when people like our owner coming in or friends of the owner, but... For so the most Jay-Z, part, it's really a democratic. If Jay-Z were to come in, we would... He would have to wait an hour. Uh, probably more. Wow. Like two or three hours. <laughs> but I think that's why, I, to that same point, we don't get a lot of celebrity diners at St. Anselm, and I wish we had more because that's fun, but mm-hmm. we just don't. You know, I don't think... There Jay-Z, isn't quite special treatment in that way. But it means everyone. everyone's equal. It's if democratic you show process. up at... What, what time do people start to does line up to get the... 5, 4.35. Does, does it, like, blow your mind a little bit, though, how people don't seem to just understand the 
unfairness of a list. It's like right, or they'll they'll see an empty seat and they'll say, "Well, that table's empty," and it's like, "Yes, but there's someone on their they, way." They've here already for been the, waiting yes. for two hours. Mm-hmm. Like you just want it, you know? Or now. they'll try and slip the host money, and it's like, "Okay, but there's still a, there's still a list of fifty people ahead of you yeah. who got They're here." They're like, first. "We'll accept the money, thank you. You still have to wait two hours." Yeah, yeah. I mean, great problem. To have. Like, like it's a great problem. Be to luckier, have. but yeah. still, it's just, it's mind blowing how low people can stoop sometimes but then when for me at least when i'm on the other side of it and i'm a diner and i'm quoted two hours i try and be on my best behavior and yeah and be understanding i am still always a little shocked when the number comes out of the host's mouth i recently lined up for lucali and i knew i was like a little later than i should have been and i was like all right well worst case i'll just do the (laughs) i'll order the pizza and come back and pick it up and i'm i'm always a little bit like there were that many people ahead of me (laughs) that really happened like they're really quoting me 11 o'clock at night like i just (laughs) i don't know so you got to plan for that right yeah you plan like you know if i'm going to sansom and i know it's going to be a a three-hour wait this is a saturday night don't go hungry (laughs) i'm gonna post up with a friend and get get beers or you know yeah. Well, that's that's the other side of it is that we have a lot of customers who wait so long and drink so much that by the time they show up, they're, they're very Hammered. very drunk. Yes, <laughs> which creates some interesting drama out on the floor sometimes. It's yeah, entertaining. Definitely. But. So if I were to ask each of you, you're the best single best restaurant in Brooklyn. No ifs, ands, or buts. You just name the restaurant. Would you say San Anselm and would you say Winson? I, I could genuinely say top, yeah, one, one of my no, top picks. No, but no, he wants say, to know if you would pick your own restaurant. Oh no, yeah, I would pick. pick Saint Ann- I'll pick. <laughs> we can pick each other's yeah, restaurants. Yeah, we're gonna, nice. <laughs> no, I mean, it's easy. It's easy decision. You know, we we take our managers every every year to when to Saint Anselm. Uh, but you don't think you have the best dinner. restaurant in Brooklyn? I mean, I would I, I would love <laughs> I would love to think secretly. That. Would you say, yeah, I think mine's the best. Um, I, or no, I think San Anselm is the best place to it, eat in it's, Brooklyn. It's you can different. Eat in one place. I mean, you can't. Restaurants are so categorically different. You know, it's not like Jean George or EMP or whatever, where you're like, we are the height of dining. You know, like it's a very, you know, we're cooking like regionally specific mm-hmm. Taiwanese food in a very uh, democratic way where people can share and the price point is. Uh, accessible, so you can you know eat around the menu very easily. But like you know, I don't know. Is that the the best? Uh, it just depends on what you want. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's also. I think it's also subjective. Yeah. If you if you don't think that waiting two hours to eat dinner is a fun experience, then you're not going to enjoy coming to. Yeah. A place. Right. Like that. There will always be like a but. It's yeah. like I love San Anselm, but is it really worth the wait? Maybe I go once a year. Like it depends. Well, listen. This. New Year always brings about best of lists and predictions for the coming year. For example, the Wall Street Journal reported that lasagna is going to blow up in 2020. That must have been a great article. Sorry, I missed that one. <laughs> also read that jerky, or more specifically, built along the dried beef from South Africa with no sugar, is going to be big. And flavored gnocchi with kale and chocolate are going to be big. So could you give us some predictions? I, I, I'll start this off. I think... 2020 is going to be a huge year for the internet. I think you said and that in also, 2019. Also, for I think entertainment is going to be really big. And possibly, I'm going out on a limb here, I think sports is going to be really big in 2020. All right? Tell me at the end of the year if I'm right. Hannah, any, any, it, it, it can be culinary related. It, it does, it could be anything. You can be more detailed any predictions? than what I said. A little less vague than Patrick. <laughs> um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about these alternative milks. It kind of, I, you know, makes me feel like an old lady when I walk in and there's more non-dairy creamers than dairy <laughs> creamers. But I sort of love to see what weird, what weird alternative, you Do know. Do you like oat milk? Uh, what's to like, you know? <laughs> I just think it's like a fun, weird food trend that will never die. Yeah. You know, Borden, the third or fourth biggest milk company in the country went out of business. Mm-hmm. And the second biggest, which I don't remember their Is name, Hood? Duke's Hood, maybe, went out of business. So two of the big milk companies are they out of business. They were that like red speckled one, right? Hood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I don't know I if that was because of these alternative milks. Milks with a Y. My wife, Ann, who's a cheesemonger, says nuts don't lactate. So you shouldn't call it milk. So I came up with a compromise that you still spell it M-I-L-K, but you pronounce it with a soft K. So milsh. Oat milsh. I did notice people are fully converting to the Mm M-Y-L-K, especially on on restaurants. That's good. Yeah. 
I, uh, I don't know if it's like across the board or if that's part of the brand name or it's just what you're supposed to do. To I think it's the dairy it. farmers getting, you know, up yeah. in arms over the use of the word milk. All right, Trey, do you have any predictions? Ooh, um, I'm going to just double down on that lasagna situation. Okay. Are you going to put on a, is there a, ta- fingers crossed. Is there a Taiwanese lasagna? Um, no, 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 but you know, Hard there, no. you know, May, Maylin and uh, at nightshade in LA does a really cool, uh, like, uh, East Asian inspired lasagna. I, I should like pull up the dish, but it, it looks amazing. We went to um, 232 Bleecker yesterday, Suzanne uh, Cups' restaurant, and they had a lasagna and a porchetta. Suzanne helped provide the cheese for the lasagna and the porchetta, and the lasagna was more expensive. <laughs> the lasagna was 29, the porchetta was 26. We, we used to do this lasagna craft. Um, I think it's like a Tom Colicchio classic dish, but it, it, you just like, you know, it's like a la, a la minute. You know, you blanch the pasta sheet. You uh, put on a quarter sheet tray with beurre fondue. You fold in a soft egg. Uh, you know, a lot of Parmesan cheese, black pepper, and butter on each layer with an egg in the middle. Fold it up um, a bunch of times, and then just douse, it, just shave a bunch of white truffles on top. And you mm-hmm. just, uh, before you do that, you gratin it under the salamander. It's like the best lasagna I've ever had in my life. So you know, fresh pasta lasagna. Mm. It's amazing. It sounds easier for like single portion. Yeah, it's a making small. Making at home. Yeah, I mean. Ish. Honestly, probably easier making that at home than making like a big tray of lasagna. A big tray of lasagna is very time consuming. There's Why many Why can't you make components. a little cassoulet, like little individual <laughs> lasagna cassoulets? You can. You can do that too. Yeah, sure. You know what they said at the, they would like to invent uh, at um, for their porchetta at 232 is a pan or pot, I guess. That is like this. It's like a tire. It's like a turbo TA, but for porchetta uh, in it to crisp up the skin. Uh-huh. So it's like hot all around for the skin. Three sixty. Does that exist? Sounds like a cajachina, but for indoors with a porchetta sized portion. I don't know. I don't know. Does that exist? What do you just use a salamander and you rotate it um, like a broiler? Whenever we do porchetta. Um, Justin's technique, Justin's Wiley's technique is so smart. If you don't have like a brick oven or something, uh, you just take like a rondo and you put a little rack at the bottom of the rondo and the oil's like piping on. You just ladle, ladle the oil slowly mm. until this fat like renders and crisps. It's like pretty. But that's very labor intensive. That's not like a set it and forget it. But it, a, yeah, I mean, then you just go low ten, low and slow in the oven. I mean, that's the that's the other way to do it. But either way, it's a very time consuming process to do it right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is your main source of cooking at Saint Anselm the the wood fire grill, or excuse me, the the is it even it's wood a ga- fire? No, it's, it's a gas grill. Yeah, um, I think they either had a wood fire grill when they first opened or wanted to, and just the building you can't do it in that kind of a building. Um, but yeah, we just have this giant. I think it's like a six foot by three foot gas grill that we just mm-hmm. everything comes off of it. It's it's fun to play around. It's fun to have that limitation of. Um, okay, if we're a grill-focused restaurant, what does that mean for specials and new menu items? And can you grill it? Well, Some... you do larger format things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, we lamb do. saddle. Yeah, the ribeyes we do. We sell by the ounce. So those will be, you know, up to like 75, 80 ounces. What are the two lamb? You have a lamb saddle and, and a lamb, lamb. saddle and a lamb chop. Yeah, the, the server, uh, they always try to sell me on the lamb saddle. They're like, the, the lamb saddle, it's a little more uh tender and it's kind of like uh less gamey and i'm like but when i want get lamb i want the gamey like you want the lamb yeah i I always get the lamb chop that's that's if you're a lamb person or not i love that yeah Yeah, you're a lamb guy yeah and your uh um the strip with the uh the alpav the alpav sauce is just yeah um the pork chop nobody the pork chop the pork porterhouse (laughs) <laughs> That's my it's been on since they <laughs> reopened, relaunched. We're, we're talking uh, red meat here. Okay? Yeah, all right, right, all right, right. This is the best pork chop in town. Come on. So you you guys have an, an open kitchen concept, sort of like 232 Bleaker where you were last night, but you guys, I've sat mm-hmm. at the chef's counter. Mm-hmm. Is there, like, what do you love about that setup and what do you hate about it as a chef? I... Well, most of what's interesting is most of the kitchens I've ever worked in have been open kitchens, so it's something that I'm definitely used to, but I know a lot of people aren't. I think a lot of the, a lot of people get into cooking because they don't want to interact with people on that face-to-face level mm-hmm. the way front of house does. Um, but, you know, obviously, first and foremost, it's really nice to hear positive feedback, whether it's a customer actually telling you, I love my meal, I love my steak, this is delicious, or just hearing customers talk about the food when they don't know that we can hear them. Um, 
you know, sometimes you, sometimes you do feel like an animal in a zoo, you know, um, people just staring at you and taking your picture and taking videos of you and, um, but that's part of it. And it's more fun to be, for me, at least it's more fun to be out on the floor than to be yeah, like cooking in some basement where you have no idea what's going on and no idea if people are loving the food. And it just, it's feels like you're more a part of the restaurant when you get to be in an open kitchen. Is that something you have to factor in though? Like when you're hiring a new Absolutely. cook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have to work super clean because we do have people who just sit there and, and watch you work for, you know, well, I always think if I'm going to go to dinner by myself, like I would at least want to be at a chef's counter. Like there's something that's like happening. It's it's almost yeah. like you're dining with somebody. There's there's you know action. There's things you can pay attention mm-hmm. to. You don't. It's, but if it's too intimate, like at a sushi restaurant, it could be awkward. Like you don't want to talk, and you have to thank the guy every time he brings you a new piece of sushi. But I like the chef's counters where it's a, in a lively place, not where it's in a silent place. Chef Cesare Casella always says that he sometimes doesn't want to go to Japanese restaurants because it's very severe and it's not fun, you know. But what was the thing you were saying, Trig, a couple shows ago that you want to see the food being prepared and you don't trust it when you can't see it being prepared? I didn't say that. No, at a fast casual it? restaurant. Who was that? Hmm. I don't know. Who's All that right. That? I mean, I I, uh, I think I always just enjoy seeing the food prepared, yeah. but you know. But you let know. me ask you, Trig, do you get uh, like if you're going out to eat on your night off, do you want to sit in front of the kitchen and watch the chefs work or does that feel like you're um working no i i definitely enjoy seeing you know methodical preparation of food it like kind of soothes me a little mm-hmm. bit you know like especially at, like you know uh, i don't you know eat at a lot of these like uh super high-end you know churches of like you know fine dining um and not because i don't respect them i just you know if i if i'm gonna spend a lot of money on food it's usually like a like a super nice sushi spot mm-hmm. um so patty and i my wife like once a year will like a birthday present to one another would be a nice sushi where like what um we went to yasuda we went to tatsu omakase tatsu um i think uh next on the list is uh sushi naz um, has she been eating raw fish no i mean during the past <laughs> no right <laughs> yeah no but but i think like that whole thing uh, it basically within two weeks of um her expected due date um you know she can she can hit the raw fish because so, that kid's big enough now yeah it's like well it's like, yeah the, it like takes a certain number of days for whatever you're worried about while you're pregnant to be oh really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. she she did some research basically she's obviously hungry she's <laughs> yeah. like i can do it two weeks before yeah 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 so we're gonna before the kids comes out we're gonna, i hope it doesn't yeah. end up happening like me you know i was in the womb for 11 and a half months in which case <laughs> she would get sick That's- i have a few friends that had sushi delivered to the hospital post Really? Oh my like that God. was their first thing. <laughs> That's but, hilarious. But I love watching this chef. You know, I love I love that, you know, methodical, like, you know, mm-hmm. like perfectly clean, like attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I-, I like watching people stay clean when they cook. Yeah. That's like cool to me. Mm-hmm. You know? We saw in the, at, at 2.32, no one drank water the whole time. I think they went <laughs> to the bank back to drink water. I mean, they're probably not encouraged to just yeah. be pounding a big plastic container of water in front of the public i mean you probably can't or can you do that i mean do you guys drink there uh yes we drink water we have our core containers you have to stay hydrated yeah especially with you're in front of a such a hot grill yeah yeah we yeah i drink a a ton of water when i cook or expo yeah especially if you're expo and you're like yelling you're talking the whole time the whole time Mm -hmm. it's like yeah Wow. But so a lot of the, <clears throat> I don't know if Saint Anselm falls into this law, but I know a lot of the new restaurant construction with the open kitchen concepts, you have to have sneeze guards, like when the customers really? are sitting in front of you. Boo. Ooh. I, that, I've been I hearing that. that I, from I, I support sneeze guards at communal buffets, like on a cruise ship. Yes. <laughs> I don't want people sneezing on my raw fish. All right. Well, I'm glad you're clearly grandfathered into something <laughs> no that we, we won't even bring it up. But so you brought us some beer from uh, your husband. Tell us, yes. uh, does he have a culinary background? Or just... um, he's a front of house guy. So he's a was a server and a bartender, and through bartending got into beer and has worked for a number of beer companies, and now is working for Omnipollo. So, in what capacity as a salesperson? He's their uh, brand ambassador. Uh, what's his title? I forget his exact title. He has. Uh, he's their, you know, um, 
let's say he's in charge of their sales in America. Okay. So the rest of the company is based in Sweden. They brew all over the world, and he is their American guy. The American ambassador. Yes, exactly. The now, ambassador. it's funny. I, I wonder. I mean, I'd like to taste one of these, even though it's warm, but I guess that's not the way to do it. I mean, is the beer taste unlike I mean, traditionally, beers in America? beer is not cold, you know? Um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I think it, I mean, I think it tastes like a lot of craft, I, I think it has a lot in common with craft beer. I think too, though, it, from what I understand about Swedish cuisine, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot, like, Swedish pastries are a thing, and berries, and I think there's a lot of those flavors that come through in what they're doing. Also, you said it's brewed all over the world, so it means yes. that it's not necessarily consistent in that it only comes from one source. So is there variation? Have you ever noticed? Do you drink a lot of beer or not really? I, I, t- I taste a lot of beer. Okay. I try not to drink a lot of beer. So I taste now, all of it. White wine, I've seen people put an ice cube in, and that's made of very little to no water. Now, beer, which I think has a lot of water in it, I've never seen anyone put an ice cube in it. Why is that? You can't water down a beer that's already like 70% water? I used to be a little embarrassed to put an ice cube in white wine until uh, I noticed that Cesare started to do it, and I felt like because a cultured chef who I respected his like palate and even his like wine choices because he did it that like it made okay. it okay for me mm-hmm. so like recently I have a few I don't want to drink I white wine that's not always cold make fun of Patty when she drinks white wine on the rocks on the rocks it's, well to me it's a little bit of fault <laughs> of the restaurant gone. they didn't serve it to me cold enough in right. my opinion yeah. and so really me asking for ice is a little bit like they should be like oh maybe we adjust our <laughs> you're kind of asking for credit yeah if you if you gotta get no, you gotta get the like wine guess, cold so fast yeah, drink yeah. the wine I don't know maybe it's like, well, it's beer, like asking no, for I've salt I've never seen anyone put an ice cube in warm beer like oh it's warm put some ice in it and drink it fast never Ever yeah. once, no. and I'm 40, we'll put it in the fr- we'll put it in the freezer age. for a couple hours. We're the same age; we've never seen it. <laughs> You're aging, Hannah. I do not think she's uh, you forty-seven. Know. You might have grown up a. a how co- old a are co- you, Trick? How old are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. You? Yeah. I'm thirty-two. Wow. Thirty-two. Wow. Oh, Matt, what are you? Sixteen. <laughs> Thirty-three. Thank you very much. Oh shit. <laughs> Patrick, you're old. You're. I About jumped to be a generation. Going on thirty. Building this radio studio connected me to one more generation. I was young at Slow Food, and I'm old here, so it's great. <laughs> I love it. You're uh, hanging around with young people, cooler than me. Your beard shows your age. Yes, the it's white. <laughs> so, if you could do something different from what you do now, now obviously you made a choice to just come back to the kitchen, mm-hmm. but I don't know if if the culinary world had not fallen into your lap, where what would you do? That's such an interesting question. Um, I think. I think I might try and work with dogs. I just love dogs. I have a Scottish terrier at the office. Yeah? Yeah. He's very cute. Be a dog trainer? Really? A trainer? Yeah. Like the, the guy with the TV show? What's Cesar Milan? Yeah, Cesar Milan. Wasn't there, there was some controversy with him, though, I think. And what, him and a dog? So do you and your <laughs> husband have a dog? No, we don't have a dog. That seems I very wish. ironic. I know. We, you know your schedule doesn't schedule, permit. Yeah. I was not expecting you to say training dogs. <laughs> I thought we would have said advertising or something like that. Training dogs. That's cool. Trig loves his dogs. Yeah. You, uh, dogs? you love all dogs. Yeah, You're yeah. very... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big dog. Pro. I grew up with like always like four here. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So. What do you think about pit bulls? Love them. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you grow up with a family dog? Growing we, up in the yeah. Well, uh, when I was like a kid for my birthday one year, I got a puppy and then, actually, my parents' dog, is she's still with us, we adopted her the day I took the SATs. And now she's, I don't know, 16, 17, um, something I, like, like that? Two, I had two, like, about 16-year-old, like, one was, like, 14, one was, like, 16-plus. And, hmm. like, any they both died this past year. Oh. It was, like, so, so sad. sad. Yeah. Well, you know, I had Weston Red died within a yeah. year and a half of each other. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, you know, one of them, like, uh, one of them died in their sleep just right on the foot of my parents' bed. It was, like, really nice that he got to die way. like that. Yeah. yeah. No, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, the hardest thing to deal with. Well, taxidermy. <laughs> the fact that we taxidermied our dog helps them live on in yeah. some way. Yeah, you can sit next to scratch his ear still yeah. by the fire. I think that. Are you allowed to do a taxidermy dog? Of yeah, course. Definitely. Do whatever you want. I'm just I'm starting. I'm, I'm thinking you about can't it. Taxidermy I taxidermy not... a human. No, but if you can taxidermy a deer or a jackrabbit, you can yeah. definitely. It was just occurring to me. Dog. I don't know that I have witnessed a taxidermied well, dog. Yeah. Definitely frowned upon. 
Really? I mean... But it's weird. Is yeah. it frowned upon? Uh, I would frown at you. Yeah. If for you doing did that. that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Up- right. I would frown upon you. So what do we have to look forward to as the... As with you as the executive chef at San Anselm. A just name, a rename of the restaurant? No, new taxidermy yeah. decorations? Just carrying the torch. Carrying a the new torch, pork you know? cut that we should know about? <laughs> I, is there a new pork cut that I should know about? I don't know. I think there are no new cuts. Honestly, best best pork cut that I had from Heritage that last year um, that I didn't expect is you guys had those skirts, uh, the pork skirts. Yes. Holy we shit. Tried, we so tried to make a new work. cut, but yeah, they're, I didn't they even have, clean, have clean them. them I, I didn't clean them at all because I, I had this grill situation at home where I, I grilled them like very hot and like, you know, just all that, like the mm-hmm. silver skin inside down because mm-hmm. I was being lazy. I didn't want to cook them. I, I didn't want to clean them up. And uh, I just like charred them really hard on this. That's the silver skin side. And they were delicious. Like melted in my good. mouth still. Yeah. yeah. It might be more of a chef's cut than a consumers yeah definitely. they might be I mean, like hey you didn't remove the silver skin yeah i would never serve it to a customer <laughs> like that but i mean it, it was so good yeah it was, skirt is just its own thing yeah. when they said the skirt exists on the pig and it came and it tasted like the skirt does on the beef it yeah. was really interesting yeah, the we, mexican guys who run the plant at paradise apparently take that off of our pigs <laughs> all the time yeah and, you know pay a little something and yeah uh, yeah, we did it because uh, Zena Park Avenue said he wanted to try it, and then we all sort of tried it, sent it around. You had a little bit, Trig. And, oh, my uh, God, it's so good. And it was delicious. It's, it's just a grill it's cut, though. much you know, like, smaller than a beef it. skirt. Mm-hmm. It's this skinny little... Sinewy, very sinewy. Yeah. Very sinewy. That's why you need the grill, right? It's like... Oh, you mean you grill it a long time, then the sinew falls apart? Or just grill it really hot and, like, get it to, like, you know, kind of render out on, with the fat a little bit and hmm. you know it makes it a little more palatable you should do a, a kind of like visual display on how to do that here for the radio station for our listeners oh yeah like uh like, cut it like this <laughs> not like this <laughs> no we're we're very happy with the the to be the pork chop at saint anselm it is an honor because it's something that people have always uh, spoken highly of and uh <laughs> mm-hmm. use our bacon yeah i don't know what about like a grilled pork cheek would that be weird do you have a bandsaw uh, no. We could get one. <laughs> well, if you got one, then we could send you the short loin, and you could be like, pork chop for how many? And you're like, rink, rink. And then... A la minute. Yes. Yes. to order. Terrifying. When we had the butcher shop at the Essex Market, no, the time you turn it on, you're like, oh. Oh, we had one at Kraft. It's awesome. We cut bread on it, oh, really? vegetables, God, it's everything. it's be a major liability. I was so nervous. I had once, yeah. I, I was uh, cutting a salami on the meat slicer, and it, my hand <gasps> slid down, <gasps> and I thought I would react well to pain. I'm a tough guy. I literally chopped off a little thing, and the blood was like, and I was like, I turned gray. And and Silva, our Brazilian butcher, ran and got me coffee grounds. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. And then he would hold it, and then again, and then I had this crust on my finger for a month. A nice coffee crust. You know what's really good? I was really hyped up. Super glue? Super glue, like better than wet bandages. On what? Just directly like, on the cut? Yeah, yeah. it is so you don't It'll get seal good. you up. I mean, it's probably not good for it to enter your bloodstream, but... So, oh, my God, it, but it, it works so well. And mm-hmm. it's so you heard it here, coffee grounds and super glue. Any other uh, secret kitchen? Uh, yeah, have you ever seen, MacGyver seen a big style? injury? Oh, I can't talk about this. Um, I Well, I cut off the end of my finger my second shift. I, I mean, it's just my thumb. Oh, it healed? It healed, but that was my second shift in a in a real restaurant. Um, They're like, she's going to do great. Check this out. This is just yeah. from, I jumped <laughs> in a life. shelf in my kitchen. Yeah. It like sliced the tendons in my finger. Um, oh. I saw someone, a good friend of mine, she, we were trying to fix the heat lamp in the restaurant and she didn't know that someone had plugged it back in. Oh my so God. So she stuck a screwdriver in there Holy and shit. had like a full body current, Holy you know. God. I guess she wasn't technically shocked because if you get an electrical shock, you die, but she mm. had it, you know that go through her system um wow i actually thought of a good thing you were saying about a, you know i was always saying, unplug things just disclaimer always unplug <laughs> things if it's not real milk it should be a soft k oat milk if it's a vegetarian restaurant it should be cooking in a kitchen <laughs> a soft <laughs> tch kitchen yeah on that note Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. We're excited to be back on for 2020. We have lots of good episodes for everyone to look forward to. We want to do this forever. I mean, my secret goal is that 
uh, we just are hosts for many years. And then when we die, you know, they'll write in our obit, you know, every Thursday they met for 40 <laughs> years. But, you know, sadly things change. But when they continue for a new year, it's exciting because change is sad in a way. It's also needed and useful. It's the way of the world. But it's nice that we do things and that there's consistency and excellence. Hannah Lyons, you're invited back anytime. Thank you guys so much. We would yeah, love to have back. you again. And, uh, you can come back as a panelist, not necessarily as the guest. Okay. So you can just comment on Meghan Markle. Thing. <laughs> we'll make sure you have just a good word association. On, we like can talk about the Royals. Yeah, maybe you can become a, an official co-host as of 2021. And we know? can talk about Milsh Kitchens. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. The Main Course OG is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>